Welcome to our podcast, Breathe In, Write Out, a podcast for high school, college, and university students about making the most out of academic life. We touch on study skills, student life, career transition, overall well-being, personal development, and other topics that impact young adults. At the end of each podcast, we send our listeners off with a short guided meditation and writing prompt. We hope that through these discussions, meditations, and writing exercises, we can build an open, caring, compassionate community that supports personal growth. I'm Lisa Fow, the founder and CEO of Fow Academic Writing, where we focus on teaching young adults the communication skills necessary to reach their full potential on the page and in life. I'd like to welcome my co-host and namesake, Lisa Monk. Thanks, Lisa P. What a great name. You can call me Lisa M for short. I'm a recent psychology graduate from the University of Toronto, and I also work with Lisa P as the creative marketing assistant at FAO Academic Writing. Get into a cozy spot, grab your pen and notebooks, and let's meet our first guest. This week's episode is about finding a career in the arts as a recent graduate. Most social science and humanities majors learn theory and skills, which do not directly translate into a given profession. We thought it would be helpful for students to hear about the different types of careers available to Bachelors of Arts graduates. This week's guest is Andrea Floria, a grade one, two teacher with 15 years of experience, eight of which was as a special education teacher and school librarian. She holds a computer programming diploma from Humber College and an undergraduate degree in political science. After working in the corporate world for five years as a programmer and then consultant, she transitioned into teaching. She has also worked part-time for Elections Ontario for the last 13 years as a poll trainer, which allows her to stay connected to her love of politics. Welcome to our podcast, Breathe In, Write Out, Andrea. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be a part of this. All right, Lisa, start it off. Um, tell us a little bit more about your career journey and what first inspired you to pursue teaching. It's mm, a good question. Uh, teaching was definitely not a passion initially. And uh, funny enough, my best friend is a teacher and she had, uh, when we first sort of came out of university, she had kind of inspired me a little bit to go into teaching. She was trying to get me to go that route with her, but I, I kind of refused at the time. And I went into programming instead did that for five years and then I had my son and um, the the old job that I used to have was you know it was like an amazing job but it was a lot of hours and uh, and uh, you know weekend work and stuff so I, I decided to maybe try my hand at teaching after all so what I did is when I was on that leave I went into uh, her classroom my best friend's classroom actually to volunteer just to make sure that I like teaching because although you know often people say oh you guys have summers off and all of that you have to actually have a passion for teaching otherwise you're going to be in big trouble so i went in i uh, volunteered in her class and i loved it i just loved it and i thought you know what i think this is for me after all so i did uh, i applied and uh to to boise to u of t yeah. and um and basically the rest is history but that's that's pretty much the reasoning behind it is just i i wanted a change of career i was also i'm trying to think i think i was just over 30 as well when I made that change. Okay. Mm -hmm. What 
What do you think was the biggest difference you found between working in the corporate world and becoming a teacher? Oh, good question again. Um, well, I mean, I actually just talked from personal experience for a couple of years, I really missed the corporate world. And I think I missed it uh, simply because the corporate world, you could kind of do your own hours, not, not for every job, but the, the job I had. So there's a lot more flexibility there working from home, although funny enough, we're all working from home now because of the pandemic. But um, <laughs> um, but in any case, that, that was sort of the big transition for me into teaching because teaching is, is very, you know, you start at a certain time, you have a lunch always, there's a recess, like it's very yeah. structured, yeah. right? The structure is uh, so that was kind of for me personally what I what I uh, what I missed between the two worlds. But I got used to it pretty quick. I mean, I think it took me a year or so, and then I, I did. I have to admit, I missed the corporate world for a while there. But then I don't know. It just I love teaching, right? But what do you think was different in terms of like skill set? Ah, uh, okay. So skill set that's actually super important. Um, when I first got hired as a, as for computers, I got hired as a computer programmer. And then when I started, uh, sort of, you know, working with the company I was with for five years, they actually noticed that I had people skills. So yeah. they, that's how I ended up consulting because they were like, Oh, wait a minute. We're not just going to keep you behind a keyboard. We'll uh, throw you out there into uh, client sites. So I think yeah. the same is with teaching as well. You have to have the people skills because first of all, Obviously, you need to have a passion and, and to connect with the kids, but the, yeah. there's rapport on staff with colleagues, there's with the principal, with, with parents. It's, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot involved there. Like, you have to keep, quite, quite frankly, a lot of people happy. In, in, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, I would, say, I would say people skills. And then also, um, I think empathy is huge there, you know there, there's kids in a classroom that you don't know you know like i always say this and a lot of my colleagues do like for i have 20 kids for instance so mm. the 20 kids I, there's a, i get glimpses into their worlds into their lives basically daily so in effect there's the empathy piece there's um there's so many you know you have to teach them resilience you need to have it as well like you're you're modeling basically behavior you're you're yeah and that's a, that's actually a huge thing when I went into teaching that I realized, oh my goodness, these little eyes are, are uh, you know, they're basically watching me. I have to be super careful with what comes yeah. out of my mouth and because, you know, I'm in effect influencing them big time, right? Yeah. Never mind curriculum, but just the character traits alone. Uh, yeah. you know, so what, what kind of character traits do you think a teacher needs? Uh, I think you need a lot of patience. That's number one, like patience just to, you know, like you're dealing with different learning styles and individual characters and such. So you need to have patience. You need to be um, like, you need to take a lot of initiative. You, you need to be able to flex, actually flexibility. That's another one because uh, the flexibility piece is huge because sometimes things change on a dime. And I, what I mean by that is actually, I'll give two examples. One is in the classroom. You might, you know, you might plan a lesson. You, yep. you go in to deliver it. Next thing you realize, these kids aren't even understanding what you're saying. So you totally have to stop whatever your perfect plan was and yep. rejig it on the fly and, and, you know, figure out a better way for, for them to learn it. And then um, another flexibility is also in terms of colleagues. 
things happen in a school. We might have meetings, we might, uh, you know, a fire alarm. I don't know, I'm just coming up with sort of kind of random things, but mm -hmm. you know, somebody might ask you for a favor, maybe do with classes, oh, you know, do you mind if we switch something? So again, you have to be flexible. You can't, there's, you can't really be rigid, right? You okay. have to truly be quite flexible. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's like a mix of structure and flexibility. Yes. yes, yes. Because although we run, you know, like from my instance, for instance, my school is, you know, 8.45 to uh, 3.30. So much can happen in that time. You're wearing different hats. And uh, yeah. so, you know, so yes, there's, there's a structure piece, but it's also the flexibility is huge and the patience, right? You know, that, that's a big one as well. Mm -hmm. um, I was wondering what some of the rewarding aspects of being a teacher were, especially, I know since you teach grade one, two students, and I guess like as you mentioned, um, some of the challenges, like how do you overcome them? So I'll start with the challenges first. Um, the challenges are that they're coming from kindergarten, especially the grade ones. So kindergarten is, is pretty much a curriculum is play-based. So all of a sudden you're in a classroom setting in a, in a grade one classroom and you have to sit at a desk and you have to, you know, the routine changes, there is no play time. It's, it is quite structured. So I find September, October, especially for the grade ones is a hard transition time for many of them. Some, you know, are, are you know, like they're immediately in it, in it, but many are not, right? Yeah. And also the, the one-two class that I had, because I've been teaching it for a couple of years now, what I find with the grade twos, um, because I, I typically teach them the year prior, they're coming in and now they're in a leadership role. So that's kind of, that could be a challenge, but it's also a reward because all of a sudden I'm teaching these kids to be leaders to the grade ones. So that's kind cool. of cool as well, right? It's, it's a nice thing and I, and I try my best to, to do that. So that's very rewarding. And I think the biggest reward as a teacher is, uh, especially at the one, two level, but really any grade is, those uh, teachable moments, the aha moments, when, when you see a child that maybe has struggled with either reading, writing, but all of a sudden it, it just clicks. It clicks and, and they're ready to, and, and they're blooming. And I, it's funny because I often tell parents, even in parent-teacher interviews, that, um, that the, the grade one year is like a flower. Basically, they bloom. <laughs> <laughs> they, they always laugh at me, but but it's kind of true because it is very much a transition time from kindergarten yeah. to one, it's massive. And, I, and I'll, I'll give you another secret, another big transition time that, that I've often said is basically grade eight to nine. That's another sort of bloom because you're going from elementary in essence into high school, right? So yeah. yeah. So I don't know, I, th I think it's coming across that I love teaching, right? I really do. Even this, <laughs> uh, even this online business is kind of interesting. Like it's, it's, it's making us uh we've had to become very creative like yeah creative so what like what how's that been what are some things so we've we've done uh i i, I have a, a teaching partner her and i both teach grade one too so we've pretty much team taught this whole uh you know this whole remote learning uh time and we do like all sorts of things that are our, our, our um the mandate is basically language and math but we've tried to throw in art and we've tried to do like virtual um virtual libraries, virtual classrooms. We're just trying to like create and, and keep engagement going just because we're finding that some kids have taken to it, but obviously some yeah. won't, right? Because they, depending on learning style, not everyone can, can handle 
a, a remote learning environment, especially at that age. And, and yeah, and I was going to add the realities: the parents have to be involved so much. Well, and yeah, and they're trying to work. So, like, what are what are some of the things, strategies you guys have come up with to to sort of overcome some of those challenges? Is there something that worked really well that you were surprised? Like, whoa. Well, we were actually, it was funny because we, we do retails in class quite a bit, which is retail is basically you're, you're retelling a story. It's a comprehension piece, right? Which is huge in reading. So a retail is supposed to be, you know, beginning, middle and end, character, setting, whatever. And we found that when we're in the classroom, we can get far more from the kids than we can now sort of being behind the computer. So behind the screen. So what we've done is we've done these really cool, um, uh, instead of doing retail, we've sort of done facts versus fiction. So okay. we use books like, you know, a fiction book and a, and a, and a, like a nonfiction book. And first of all, we're drilling the fiction, nonfiction, so they get that right. But we, we've kind of made them do lists of each one. Tell me, you know, give me five facts from the fiction, sorry, from the nonfiction and give me, you know, five things from the uh, fiction book. That way, but, and we've noticed that interestingly enough, they seem to do far better on that than an actual retail, right? Which, so we're trying to, I think it's maybe the beginning, middle and end. And, you know, when I'm in class and I'm doing a retail with a student, I'll prompt them quite a bit. I'll say, hey, you know, what happened at the beginning? Or I'll say, oh, remember that story, you know, and like, I'll try to make connections and such. Yeah. So I think at home, it's a little bit harder because parents, most of them aren't teachers. So they're not going to yeah. have those prompts available right. to them. So we that's kind of one way we've tried to sort of, because it just wasn't working. We were noticing the retails were coming back. We're like, whoa, this, this is. <laughs> do, do you think right? like, do you think this time online is going to affect how you do things in the classroom in the future? Um, I think what will, it's interesting what will happen. You know, every year I find we, we grow and, and the next nature of our profession is reflecting, right? That's what teaching mm-hmm. is. And, 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 I think I will be taking some aspects of remote learning if, if we continue or even if we don't and we go back to the classroom because there are obviously a lot of benefits to it. But I think it'd be more baby steps just because to be honest, the, the biggest challenge we have right now as teachers is we don't know who's actually doing the work behind the screen. So mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're hoping, of course, we're hoping that it's, you know, 100% the students, but you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, realistic and I don't think that's the case. <laughs> What I mean, like, I'm not gonna right. I'd like to tell myself that, but <laughs> but I don't uh, honestly, you know. And I think that goes. I mean, I have a son. My son's in uh, high school, and yeah, it's it's been a struggle for me to. As a teacher, I could probably, if I was his teacher, I could get him to do more work. But as a parent, oh yeah. my goodness, right? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that yeah, this is a tough time. It is. And I think, you know, I think what's also tough is the mental health piece because you, again, you don't know what on earth is going on at home. Yeah. So, you know, the, there's that piece too. And I, I'm, I'm a TDSB teacher, a Toronto district school board teacher. And, and our big push has been mental health because, you know, they, they've said that like practically in every letter, everything that they sent us, they're always be gentle, be this, be that, because yeah. it's true. You, you just don't know. Mm. You don't know how people are handling all of this, right? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that'll come into the curriculum more. It, it may. I can actually see it. And I know even it, it's interesting because even um, the last couple of years, they've been focusing on well-being. That has been 
a push. So now I think it's just going to be tied in there. So yeah, I, I think definitely um, like there, there's, there's, there's value here, right? Yeah. There's value obviously with the mental health piece. There's also value with the remote learning. You, I guess you pick out of it the best parts and, and yeah. kind of go with that. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you mentioned like some of the struggles with remote learning, not really knowing who exactly is getting the work done behind the screen. And also a, a big one is uh, not everyone has the same access to technology, Yeah. right? That's a huge one. I know um, the TDSB has done their best to pair, you know, families with, with devices, but from my understanding, there's still quite a few people that do not. And I, and I heard even up North, like I'm talking, you know, in Brisbane, uh, Ontario, where, where Wi-Fi is like the old dial-up. That's a major challenge, I think, as well. I mean, how on earth would you do work like that, right? Any, any of these, even look what we're doing right now on a, on a dial-up. How would that yeah, work? I, it I, you know, it wouldn't exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's tricky. So I think that's actually been, you know, the equity piece, right? Is is everyone um, does everyone have the same sort of access to uh, technology? That that would be a huge, huge thing. And I think also, uh, you know, parents and, and work, because I have assignments, I mean, there's no longer, you know, how we're talking about the structured, uh, I mean, I know there's teachers who still will do a structured day, but quite honestly, I'll, you, you know, I'll, I'll mark something even at 1am, like if I happen to be up and I see it, I'll mark it. And, and that goes with parents as well. Some assignments are coming in like nine, 10 o'clock at night, which tells me they've been working all day. So right you know it, it <laughs> probably the kid didn't do well maybe maybe the kid do this assignment at 10 p.m but I don't know. <laughs> you're right actually it was true that might be like a sign yep who's <laughs> actually doing it <laughs> it's true very true but uh but in any case i guess what i'm trying to say is there's no real structure for this it's it's kind of you know kids get it done when they can some I like I tend to post my assignments at 830 in the morning that's kind of what yeah. myself and my teaching partner have decided on but right. you know, things come in from 9 till 10 basically so anywhere in yeah. there there's assignments getting turned in mm, wow yeah so it's a lot of change it is it is and we also it, we also had to learn it I mean I have a computer background as you know so for yeah. me this isn't a big sort of struggle and it's actually kind of fun, but that we have teachers on my staff that, oh my God, they don't really touch computers. So, yeah, you know, we had a week, uh, Stephen Lecce basically said, okay, that's it, people, you're online, which is fine, but it's kind of like, whoa. <laughs> so the learning curve, but you know what? Every, everybody I think has done uh, quite well with it, right? Like there's been patience on both ends, us and parents and students and uh, our principal, like our principal's amazing. She, uh, she's actually quite like very supportive. So we're, we're pretty blessed. And as a school, we're also, we're blessed with the community, the school. I mean, I've been there for 15 years. That, that should say it all. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Lisa, she's a little bit more quiet than me, but um, <laughs> let her ask a question. And I, I'm, so she's a recent graduate. Okay. And with a, a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology, and she's kind of figuring out what she would like to do. So she might have some questions for you. Of course. About that. Um, yeah, I was thinking like even if like saying like I'm a more quiet person, like I know 
Um, even in like, you know, younger grades, students have different styles of learning, like some are more visual, some are more auditory. Yeah. And I was kind of just like wondering with like the whole remote learning model, like yeah. ways, does that sort of address like the different, you know, learning needs of different students? We try our best to do that because you're right, a lot of kids, you know, especially the auditory, but we, we do a mix of, uh, we do YouTube videos. We've done uh, like Google Slides. We've done games, um, uh, you know, like where you're, you're basically going onto a website and, and playing a game there. Uh, we've done, actually funny enough on Friday, we did a Ripley's Aquarium uh, virtual field trip. So that was kind of oh, cool. Oh. Yeah, the kids actually loved that because they were, uh, you know, maybe a lot of them have been there, but it was yep. just something different, not just your typic typical math and language. Um, so that's kind of how we've tried to address that with, uh, with all of these sort of virtual kind of hooks, I guess you can call it, right? Yeah. The, the YouTube, the reading, I mean, there's a person, our school hasn't really done, uh, some of the, some of the classes are doing Google Meet. Myself and my teaching partner, we decided not to do uh, any Google Meet. Yeah. Because it, it, like the, the, the suggestion for it came a little bit late so we were kind of oh, I don't know and you know we've also heard some funny things about kids taking our pictures and you know making <laughs> out of them or putting us on TikTok and I don't really want to end up on TikTok so oh. <laughs> certainly not as a meme right so anyway yeah. and um so that that's kind of why we we're a little gun shy how about that to, to do it but at the same time I mean that's another option the, Can you explain, like, since you're a bit of a computer person, people might not know, like, what is Google Meet? How would that work for teaching? And then how's that different from what you're doing? It sounds like you're giving people, giving the students assignments and then, like, marking them or something. Yes, so yes. Well, in essence, it, we're, using, um, we're using Google Classroom, which is basically sort of like, a, like how Word used to be or Excel. It's, it's all, it's okay. using, uh, Google Docs. So the classroom, right. in essence, we're, we're able to create slides, which is like the old sort of PowerPoint kind of kind of kind of deal. So you create, and within these slides, you you embed forms that they can type in. You embed, oh, yeah, yeah, it's actually really cool. You embed YouTube videos. You pretty much can embed pictures. You name it. Like oh, anything. yeah, it's actually really, really. It's kind of cool. I mean, they're very. It's what you can do with it is is incredible. So that's kind of what that is. And then Google Meet, they added sort of somewhere in there, I, maybe yeah. a few weeks ago, I can't remember. But in essence, it's, it's a way to, to do live sort of streaming and right. to see kids live. You could see them almost like on a grid. So yeah, I kind of like Zoom. Kind of like Zoom, exactly. But through Google Meet. So it's a little more, it's, it's a little more, uh, I guess, private they, and they record you? They can record you? Yes, they could. I mean, anybody could record sort of on, you know, even with the phone, right? So they could. Oh, I see. Because like on Zoom, you have, you have to give the permission, person permission to record, but you're saying like they're just recording with their phone. That's what I mean. Yeah, not, not record like, you know, no, no, it'd be like without permission. That, that's what sort of what scared us at the beginning, uh, that, that piece there. But in essence, Google Meet would be a way to talk. Now, I, the challenge with that would be, I have 20 kids, for instance. Yeah. I, I've done a Zoom meeting. Now, there's three of us on this meeting right now, and sometimes yeah. we're, we're almost talking over each other. Do you imagine 20 kids and me? <laughs> yeah, I can. So I was curious, though, uh, Lisa M., 
because you're a recent graduate and you're figuring out like what you want to do, did you have any questions for Andrea kind of more related to like how people might choose to be a teacher or something? Like if that's something you're thinking of, Lisa, I don't know. Um, I think it's like one of the things that I'm considering, but I guess before I really dive into that, I kind of want to know like what would make me a good candidate for becoming a teacher or what certain qualities might make that not the ideal job? Mm. The job of teaching, because I teach, I can tell you at my school, we have all sorts of personalities and other places where I've done some uh, maybe supply teaching and stuff. Your number one thing is you have to want to be a teacher. And, and once you, you, you have that passion and you have the passion to end the patients and, uh, and all of that, then the rest is kind of easy because I find any kind of personality can be a teacher. We have teachers on our staff that are actually super quiet and uh, they're better one-on-one. -on -one. They're not really extroverts or quite introverted actually, but they're incredible teachers. So it's, I, I think the passion piece, you, you've got to want it for, for lack of better words, because the, the thing is, you know, often I'm going to repeat this. I, I said earlier, but you know, people think, Oh, you know, you, you have summers off. Yeah. You have summers off, but you're working 10 months. And if you don't like being in that classroom, those two months a year are, are really meaningless because for 10 yeah. years, you're going to be drained if, if you don't love the profession. Do you right. know what I mean? So I think that's number one, right? But and how do you know, how do you know you want to be a teacher without being a teacher like for me I always thought the thing I never want to be is a teacher and then I ended up being a teacher because I just realized I'm teaching people all the time this is what right but I I was like you know that quote there's those that can do and there's those oh, that can teach exactly oh and I was like I don't want to be a teacher sounds bad but Lisa, I told you I was the same way. It was my best friend when we were out of university. Come be a teacher. I'm like, I'm never going to be a teacher. And now look, 15 years later. So that's the thing. I mean, that's what's interesting about it, right? It's, I, I think a good way to, to actually dip your toe in would be to volunteer in a school as well. You start there to kind of, you know, get your bearings and see if you'd like it. Because that's what I did. I, I volunteered with her classroom because yeah. I think that's a perfect way. You kind of get, you know, the lay of the land sort of you figure out teachers you you know you look at look like figure out the kids and and you know I and I would pick I wouldn't pick you know like the I would pick a school that sort of you know maybe some needs maybe not you know what I mean like right to, yeah. to not 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 the perfect school that's kind of what I'm trying to say yeah right so yeah okay. are, are you are you like um in terms of qualifications is that something that you'd like to know about or in terms of like what you need to actually become a teacher? Um, I think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so basically it's, it's a three or a four year degree, depending on, uh, you know, what, but it could be in anything. It could be in any, it doesn't matter, you know, like it could be like your degree or, or, you know, English, my, my degree, like I said, was political science, but as long as you have a three or a four year degree, you're fine. And then um, you have to do, uh, it used to be a year for teacher's college, like yeah. the Bachelor of Education. Now, because I was actually looking it up, there's some programs that are two years, yeah. uh, two years long now. So they've changed it, um, which is fine. I mean, you know, I think that's just what it is. And you apply to the, the college, the Ontario College of Teachers. 
and then you start to work. Usually you start to work as a supply teacher because it's not the easiest to, to actually break in and get a full-time teaching position. It takes a bit of time. Right. You would, and that's sometimes, you know, for some people it's not attractive because, you know, they want a job immediately. But right. in today's world, I think, you know, I don't, I don't think there's such a thing anyway for really, <laughs> honestly, right? I, I don't think for any profession you're just, okay, give me my job, you know, like... <laughs> I finished. I finished university. I expect Yeah. Yeah, that's not the case, right, Lisa? Oh, yeah, it's definitely not been my experience. No, 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 no. So, and, and it just isn't. It just isn't. So, you know, even myself, when I came out of teacher's college, my, I got lucky. I, I got um, hired, but I, only for a half-time position. So my first year, I taught half, like mm -hmm. they, in the mornings. And then luckily, the following year, I was able to get in full-time. But I... I I know friends and, and colleagues okay. that it could take up to even five years to, to get in there. And also you're, you're kind of like, aren't you in Pickering? You're further outside of Toronto. Yes. Like I heard yes. to get into the like down, like Toronto proper kind of schools is very competitive. It is. It is. No, no, it's true. Actually, I, I live in Whitby now. Lisa, I okay. but but, uh, and I teach my, my schools in Scarborough, but you're right. right. No, it's very, even, even in Durham, pretty much all the boards are, 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 it's tough. It's tough to get in. That's why, that's why the volunteer piece is also super important because mm -hmm. you, you start to make your network, you're networking, you're making connections. So then if, once you finish school, the principal will, rem will remember you, other teachers will remember right. you. We've had other conversations about job hunting searching career development in general and then that's like something even that we did interviews with two kind of like career coach type people and that's something they recommend right and that's something i recommend 100 my students is like you know get practical experience the only way and and you do you you i think it's amazing it, it really helps yeah mm -hmm. So you mentioned um, you did a degree in political science. Yes. What kind of skills do you think are transferable from that degree to teaching? Because I think a lot of people with arts degrees and even their parents are like, what, what, you know, why are you doing that? That's like a waste of time. Right. You oh my get God. a job, right? So yeah. what, what kind of skills did you get from that degree that are transferable into either of your jobs, actually? Uh, it's funny because, you know, so many people kind of knock the arts degrees, which I actually don't agree with at all, because I think they teach critical thinking skills, which is massive. I mean, I always say my degree taught me to think because you're, you're reading so many different perspectives and that's just it. The, 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 the thinking piece, how to think about things, um, how to, how to perspectives and you know, that helped me in my, in my, when I, when I was doing my consulting job and then it helped me in, in teaching because again, you're, you're, you know, in a, in a day you're dealing with like 50 million things. I might have, you know, a parent calling me to, to, to complain about something. I might have a kid yeah. that, you know, balance scrape. Like it's, you know, you have to write like that's the critical thinking is the higher order thinking. Right. It's, it's something that, I think university teaches that, you know, people may argue with me, some people have it inherently, but I don't think everybody does. No. Right? So that's the big one. That's the big, so I, that's why I don't knock any type of arts degree. And I'm kind of, I actually take a bit of, of offense to it because I'm like, wait a minute here, there's value there. It's not just, oh, you know, and I understand maybe the, the road is tougher, but at the same time, 
there's what road? What do you mean? Like, I mean, it might be tougher in terms of getting a job. That's that's what I meant. Like, it might be tougher because you know you don't come out immediately. I have another little thing that I've always said. I don't know if if you'll agree or disagree, but but no, my my I I personally feel that the world is run by B and C students. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I've in my like sort of you know and i'm not knocking the a oh, ba- what's that bachelor of education no 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 like i'm talking okay. more like, like grades b's and c's because the, oh you know what i mean okay. because i i find the kids that had the b's and the c's also had like people skills you know they weren't yeah. just with their nose and books and that's not to say because i got good marks too but you know i wasn't a completely straight a student that's what i'm saying like in the things i liked i was but in, in, right. in the things i didn't not so much so that's kind of right. what I'm saying. Like, I think you need the interpersonal skills. You, you know, you need, you need to find balance, right? It can't mm-hmm. just be, you know, you're sitting with a nose in a book. So that's kind of where, you know, where I talk, talk to an engineer about, right? <laughs> so, okay. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think I, when I was consulting, I met quite a few engineers and, and you're, and you're correct. They're, they're, you know, for lack of better words, they're often tunnel vision, you know, like it's not all of them, because I don't want to put it all in a big pot, but some are right like they're and and you know what they need to be because that's why they're engineers at the end of the day, right? And I'm not. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah you know, we don't want bridges to fall down. So they have to be really <laughs> well, that's what I mean. So somebody has to do that. That's what I'm saying. Right. You know, that's, yeah. that's it. I, and I think that's the message here. There, there's room for everybody. It's, you know, it's all right. kind of you go which way you veer to the way that you're inclined to your, your yeah. interests, what your strengths are. I really, I agree with you. And I really like the point that an arts degree gives you critical thinking skills. And those are applicable in any profession, like even yeah. engineering. I think Lisa kind of had a final question she wanted mm-hmm. to ask you. Awesome. Um, yep, the last question for students who are currently doing their undergraduate in arts. If you had a few pieces of advice for what they could do to get on their journey to becoming a teacher. Uh, so, like I said, the volunteer, I think the, the volunteer piece, they need to do that, like immediately, because you, you, you know, you dip your toe in. Um, and I think, are, are you more, Lisa, like, do you want to know more sort of what they should do in terms of once they finish or or getting to the teaching degree um i'm guessing like uh if they're still in school right now are there you know certain skills they can develop in order ah, to make well, an easier transition gotcha okay i think the 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 final thought i think it's the passion piece they need to they need to stay connected to uh you know like we were, were we were in a strike situation right so you know you have to kind of stay connected to the world even before you're in it. So start to connect to it. How about that? Start to learn about it before you get there. Um, Beyond be, be the volunteering, read the newspaper, see what's going on, get on Twitter. There's a lot of teachers. I'm on, I'm on Twitter. There's a lot of teachers on there. Don't be actually afraid to, to reach out even to myself, for instance, for, for you know, like to ask me questions, anything. Yeah. I mean, whatever. And, and we'll, we're, you're going to share this. We'll share your social media when we post it. So. Awesome. Anybody listening to this, you're saying they could ask you a question on your Absolutely, Twitter. Absolutely, yeah. I'm on Twitter. My my account is pretty much open. It's Andrea and Miss Gloria, and uh, pretty easy to find. And uh, but absolutely, private message me. I mean, I'm more than open, and I'd be very willing to help. And I think that's huge as well to have someone in the profession that's willing to maybe even point you in the right direction. 
Yeah. Or, or if I don't, let's say I don't know the answer to what you're looking for, I, I'm sure I have a colleague or a friend that will. Right. Like if someone's interested in high school or something. Yes. I actually have quite a few friends that teach at the high yeah. school as well. Okay. It's a whole different podcast. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, pro yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Different learning issues. It is. Classroom it's management. Yes, that's right. That's more interest, totally interest, I think. But yeah. Mm. We want to take a moment to thank you for doing this interview with us. I think we learned a lot about, you know, what it takes to be a teacher, um, how to transition from school into the career world, some good advice. And I really love the part um, talking about how COVID has been affecting things. Yes. So thanks so much for coming in and talking to us. Thank you, Lisa and Lisa. It was wonderful. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you for sharing all your knowledge with our guests. Awesome. I mean, sorry, with our, with our listeners. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, there are guests. Yeah, it's okay. true. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us today for our episode. And stay tuned for the second part of our podcast. We'll be featuring a relaxing meditation and a writing prompt to help you get more in tune with your inner thoughts. comfortable position to relax in. Adjust your shoulders, adjust your hips, allow your body to become comfortable. Slowly become aware of your breath. Breathe in, breathe out. Allow your eyelids to soften and try to relax. Just breathe. Now imagine you are laying on the soft grass outside. The gentleness of the grass against your skin, the sun shining down, slowly warming you. See the sky and soft clouds gently moving. Begin to listen to the songbird, to the gentle flow of water. You then imagine sitting up, grounding yourself in the earth. Observe the surroundings from a different point of view. Look at the different shades of grass around you, the flowing of water in the river, shining in the sunlight and constantly changing, the water forever moving. Breathe in, pause, feel the stillness of yourself, and then breathe out. Continue to breathe. Your breath holds the potential for you to mindfully and slowly open yourself up to change. Allow your breath to anchor you right now. Allow yourself to breathe as deeply as you can. Feel the chest rise in the breath. The openness of your body on the in-breath. The openness to the possibility of change. Take another deep breath in. And open yourself up. 
Become aware of how your body rests. Allow your breath to return to its natural rhythm. Take a moment to just be. Gently start moving your hands and feet. Slowly open up your eyes. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much everyone for joining us and listening to our interview with Andrea as well as taking part in the meditation to inspire openness as you explore various career opportunities after your graduation. So one of the things that a lot of people are afraid of as they enter the job search process or they try out different things trying to find out what they're good at is rejection and the thing with rejection for anyone who's been broken up with or lost someone is it triggers shame and that's a really painful and powerful emotion if you're not sure what it feels like it's that voice in your head that keeps telling you you're not good enough that's probably shame and from my experience it feels really painful almost paralyzing there is um a shame researcher that a lot of people have heard of. Her name is Brene Brown. She kind of became famous because she did a TED Talks talk for uh, TEDx Houston and it went viral. And then she was on Oprah. You can follow her on Instagram. She's written a few books. She's very popular. Most people think of her as someone who talks about vulnerability and courage and all this kind of stuff, but she started in shame research. And so the conversation today, part of it reminded me of one of Brene Brown's books called, I Thought It Was Just Me, But It Isn't. And in that book, she talks a lot about what she calls shame resilience. So how to overcome, or not really overcome, but work your way through those situations when you're faced with shame. And she talks about the cure for shame or a piece of shame resilience is empathy. And empathy is really, you know, when we say putting yourself in someone else's shoes, thinking about how someone else might be feeling in a situation. And she argues that in order to cultivate that empathy, You need to practice courage, compassion, and connection on a regular basis. I'm going to give you three writing prompts that center around this idea of cultivating courage, compassion, and connection within yourself so that hopefully when you get faced with these situations where you're afraid of rejection or you might feel rejected when in your kind of like pursuit of uh, professional development, you will feel more prepared, you'll be able to recover from those moments better. So the opposite of courage is fear. And when you feel fear, blame and disconnection, that is going to put you on the shame side of things. Again, when you feel courage, compassion and connection, that puts you on the empathetic or resilient side of things. So The first prompt is around fear. So my question is, and again, you can 
pause between the prompts and write in your journal, or you can listen to all three of them and write them down afterwards. The first prompt is, when you feel afraid to explore a new career opportunity, what can you tell yourself to remind yourself that you're safe and inspire courage? So take a moment, what are some encouraging words you could tell yourself when you're feeling scared to help to remind yourself you're safe and you can do this. Pause the podcast if you like, take a few minutes to write down your thoughts. So my second prompt is to combat blame. Blame is when we get hurt or upset, we're often looking for someone or something to blame. Like you might stub your toe and then curse your boyfriend, even though he's not there. Just because, I don't know, I think we want, we want to resolve the issue. So we kind of put our hurt and pain on someone or something else. So this prompt is to help you to, instead of blaming, cultivate some compassion, and in this case, self-compassion. So I want you to think about how you would answer this question. When you feel like blaming someone or something for a recent failure, what can you do to get grounded and lovingly remind yourself that failure is part of the process and it's okay to be disappointed? So take a moment to pause the podcast and write down some of your thoughts around that. What can you do to get grounded and lovingly remind yourself that failure is part of the process? And it's okay to be disappointed. On to my third writing prompt. So the third thing that can contribute to shame is disconnection. And I don't know if you've ever had that feeling where you feel so alone, you kind of feel a pain in your chest. And well, that's what happens for me. So that's very unpleasant. (laughs) And it doesn't really help us to reach out and be brave. So instead, I want you to think about, instead of when you feel scared and rejected, pulling away, which is the natural thing we want to do, we're trying to protect ourselves. I want you to think about someone who really cares about you, someone who loves you, someone that accepts you for who you are. I want you to write down that person's name. And the reason for this is when we're kind of in the middle of a tricky time, a lot of us want to just deal with it alone. But then we get in our heads. And what we really need in that moment, a lot of times, is someone to talk to, someone to kind of reassure us, have empathy for our situation, maybe give us some hard advice to listen to, but someone we can trust who's not going to judge us, but is just going to be there with us in the experience. So write down that person's name. And next time you're having a hard time, instead of pulling inward, reach out to them. Ask for their support. I hope these writing prompts helped you to find the courage, compassion, and connection to continue on your career development journey. I'm really excited for you guys and 
I would love to hear what different things people are looking into, what kind of things they want to do with their life, and how their Bachelor of Arts or Master of Arts is helping them to get there. In the meantime, we hope that you enjoyed today's show. To find out more about FAO Academic Writing, you can check out our website at www.fao.ca or follow us on social media at FAO underscore academic writing. If you need extra support with your academic studies or writing skills, send us a message anytime. We look forward to helping you reach your full potential on the page and in life.